your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. The Los Angeles Kings are making moves in the Pacific Division. Our reaction to the Kevin Fiala trade coming up ahead. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. You could find us at Locked On VGK on Twitter and on YouTube. At Tony Dasco for me on Twitter. At TD Chris G for my man Chris Golick. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Chris, I'm already in vacation mode. I mean, big weekend mode, okay? But the LA Kings, they made a pretty big trade yesterday as they obtained the left winger, Kevin Fiala, from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for the signing rights to a sensation, uh, defenseman Brock Faber, and the 2022 first-round pick from the Kings, that's number 19. Let's talk about Fiala, his impact, 85 points this past season, 56 in the second half of the season. Uh, Faber was the defenseman of the year in the Big Ten out of the University of Minnesota, and this could uh, wind up being sort of a wash. Who knows? Uh, Hard to speculate there. Uh, The Kings, as of yesterday, had $20 million in cap space, but they now are down to about $12 million with the Fiala signing as he signs a seven-year times $8 million uh, contract there. Still some uns- uh, unsigned uh, restricted free agents. They're not done yet with the Kings. Um, according to Cap Friendly, um, you've got uh, Leitis, uh, Leitis, uh Anderson. Uh, you've got uh, Grunstrom, uh, Adrian Kempe. I think I saw Brendan Lemieux's name on there. And there's a couple of others as well. So uh, this is a team that had the cap space. They say they're not done yet. Could make a run at some other free agents. Is this team a threat in the Pacific Division? They really made a step this year. Can they make another quantum leap uh, this upcoming season? No doubt. And you mentioned cap space. That must be a nice luxury. But I think they're probably saving some money. They, they play in Crypto.com Arena, formerly the Staples Center. I'm checking Bitcoin right now. It's down about another 3%. So, you know, I mean, they might not max out on that. They might need to, you know, pay, save some money for the rent there if things keep going the way they are. But, um, yeah, the Kings are making moves right now. And it's a move I like for the Kings. It's a move I don't necessarily understand from the Wilds' perspective. Um, the Wilds were in many people's minds, a Stanley cup contender last season. Um, the goaltending wound up being the issue in the playoffs. Go figure, unfortunately for flurry, that is. Um, but you look at all the youth that they have around um, Kaprizov and Fiala was just, you know, an outstanding score. I mean, a remarkable year last season of uh, 83, excuse me, 85 goals played all 80, 85 points played all 82 games. Played every game. Uh, just, yeah. Yeah, just looking through. So this is an example, folks, of how a player can build. He was drafted back in 2014, 11th overall, and plays one NHL game that season. He gets 20 goals with the Admirals in the AHL. 15-16, uh, he bounces up and back between the AHL and NHL. 
Um, 50 goals for the AHL uh, Admirals, but only a handful of points for the Preds that season. Gets more time with the Preds in 16-17. 17-18 plays 80 games with the Preds and not just 48 points. Then he really has his breakout over the last three seasons. So this is an example of how you can build a team through the draft and a player can build through the draft. You know, let's look at Cody Glass, who oddly enough is on the Milwaukee Admirals with, with the Nashville Predators organization. Now, I believe that's been a, I think that they, they, they switched as far as um, all that stuff goes. Um, but just taking him a while to, um, to develop, maybe Cody Glass will be on the similar path as Kevin Fiala, but back to the Kings, uh, they're building the team right now. They're building a team that wants to compete with the Vegas Golden Knights, with the Edmonton Oilers, with the Calgary Flames and all that. And they have a nice mix of leadership, starting with uh, Kopitar, who, oddly enough, I just, this is just going to sound so strange, but I actually had a dream. I was playing soccer, and Anze Kopitar was on my team last night. This is yeah, not a joke by any means. <laughs> this is just, it was strange. I, I got an assist, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know why I drank before bed last night, yeah, but it wasn't not, water. Not a good, not a good idea. And, but, <laughs> you know, now, so Anze Kopitar will be paired up on the top line with Fiala. Uh, we know that in Minnesota, they couldn't put him on the top line, uh, Fiala, of course, uh, because a left winger like Kirill Kaprizov, uh, both left wingers. And so now he has an opportunity to really uh, take another leap. And it was a lot of cap issues there because of the signings of players uh, like Kaprizov there in Minnesota. And we knew that that made him sort of expendable. Plus, the rookie, uh, Matt Boldy, I think, played pretty well this past season. And so they said, okay, well, let's try to make a deal with an expiring contract, I think, next season. So now, right, so Minnesota, they also come into play. They have really good draft uh, draft picks there because now they have the Kings 19th, they have the 24th, the 47th, and the 56th picks in the top 60. So four in the top 60, and then they get four more picks as well. And, you know, uh, Fiala, to me, he just he, – he, like, here's a guy that I feel – is one of the all-time VGK killers. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. So I had to look up some stats. In 19 career games, six goals and nine assists against VGK. And now he'll see them more frequently here in the West. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good a good stat you pulled up there. And some people just, you know, have a nose, uh, when, a nose for the net when certain teams come to town or when they go visit certain cities and such. Maybe uh, Kevin Fiala never caught the Vegas flu like about a lot of other people did. But the Minnesota Wild are a team that Vegas has had a lot of trouble with, though. Um, first of all, in Minnesota, we had a ton of trouble with them. And there was even concern uh, last season in round one when we opened against the Wild. Again, up three to one in that series, I believe, and another, another series that goes uh, seven games as a result, which definitely took a toll on VGK in that season. Um, yeah, the Wild. I mean, I, I like I like the direction they're going. Um, I certainly understand why you make the trade for the expiring contract, and he's not cheap. I think he's around seven million, if I'm not mistaken. He'll, so, be, he'll make eight. He'll make eight million, close to eight. Million. Eight million. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it, the trade makes sense, I guess, for Minnesota, but you know, they're, they're contending now. Like, is that the move to, I mean, they're not the, the first round draft pick and uh, the, the, the prospect they traded for, I don't think come into play uh, in this, this current uh, upcoming season. It might, who knows? 
No, he was just Does saying, this, uh, uh, yeah, Faber, just uh, sorry to interrupt you, but Faber no, you're yesterday, fine, you're just yesterday, Chris, was named one of the three captains uh, for the University of Minnesota hockey team. So uh, it appears as though he's going back. Uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year and also was an Olympian on Team USA. Yeah, no doubt. And it's... um. You know, you, you wonder how these conversations go and such and what the relationship is with those general managers, particularly with the Kings and the Wild and such. So there's always the game within the game. Maybe there'll be another trade down the road. Maybe someone owed someone a little bit of a favor and all that sort of thing. But, you know, just looking up and down the Kings roster, I mean, it's a real solid mix of, you know, veteran leadership. You know, we got Jonathan Quick, obviously, in net, but Cal Peterson is also uh, competing to basically take over that job, you know, probably sooner than later. But I think uh, both goalies will be there for a little while longer. Uh, Quentin Byfield is someone who just like exploded him. on the scene. He's only going to get better. Uh, they trade for Philip Deneau from Montreal last year and, you know, just up and down the roster. So, yeah, the Kings are going to be tough. And now it's another, you know, powerhouse maybe is a, is a little too much respect, but it's another tough foe we're going to have to deal with, which maybe isn't a bad thing also. Uh, keeps VGK, you know, a little sharper, a little more on their toes and, you know, work a little harder in the regular season to uh, ultimately get to where Colorado is now. And uh, Fiala had 10. He finished uh, 10th in even strength points this past season in the NHL. Now you pair him up uh, with Anzi Kopitar. Uh, the Kings, a team that uh, fell to the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs this season, but the one thing, you know, when I look back on their past season, this was a team that was really good, very strong on the road. And I think that they're only going to improve. And again, I think that they'll be one of the top uh, three teams in the Pacific, in the Honda Pacific Division. And they say they're not done yet, right? So uh, Philip Forsberg is still out there. And I think they have an eye on Forsberg. How would he fit in with his team? Yeah, I mean, you know, you just keep adding pieces and stuff. And something, you know, I've I've alluded to so much. I definitely want to hit a longer, you know, topic on this. But, you know, it's that mix of building your team through the draft versus moving players around and trying to build your team, you know, via free agency and stuff like that. Vegas Golden Knights obviously have gone the route of building their team via free agency and trades because, if things went according to the day one plan, which was, you know, playoffs maybe in three, cup in six, which is we're coming into season six, oddly enough, folks. But, you know, you wonder how those draft picks of so what uh, Brandstrom, Suzuki and if Cody Glass would have developed on a different path and such like that, how those players would have developed and where VGK, you know, would be going right now had they not had that success in season one that was apparently uh not sustainable, according to uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Um, the Kings, they got a nice mix, though. They are adding the big free agents. They are making the trades. Fiala um, and uh, Deneau last year, mixing in with the leadership like Kopitar. You still got Jonathan Quick in net. But then the younger players, you know, the Kings are going to be tough. And they just might be a team that is quietly sneaky good. They get into the playoffs, you know, as a three or four seed possibly. And they make a lot of noise. They, I mean, they almost, they took Edmonton to the limit and Edmonton, uh, you know, made it to the conference final. So this is basically filling, you know, they lost Dustin Brown, Dustin Brown via retirement, but, you know, he hasn't been putting up Dustin Brown numbers, you know, besides his leadership on the ice and things like that. So this is an improvement if you're simply just looking at Brown to Fiala. So yeah, another, uh, 
another tough opponent in the Pacific and the Honda Pacific, pardon me. And uh, we're going to see how things shake out in uh, season six. So, uh, you know, you just were talking about prospects and development. And here's a guy, here's a name for you that I'm kind of curious where his development is at with the VGK. And that's Jack Dugan, um, who was highly heralded, you know, coming out of college. Uh, What's happening with him within this VGK organization? I think he's uh, coming up on free agency, too. And I haven't heard much about him. And I thought that there was a player that they could develop and could be by now on the NHL level. Yeah. Um, you know, Chicago Steel, while they play out of Naperville, I just pulled up his hockey DB. That's funny there. Um, <laughs> 2021, beautiful. Uh, Seven Bridges Ice Arena down there. Real, really nice, really nice rink. Um, 2021, Henderson Silver Knights, 37 goals, 33 points. Okay. Um, last season, 35 games and uh, 18 points. You know, he just might be on that Ben Jones path right now where he's a guy. He's a good guy. He's good at the AHL level. Is he going to be able to make that jump? Or let's maybe use a more recent comparison. Is he going to develop a little bit slower along like, I don't know, Kevin Fiala? And then three or four years from right now, he's a line one, uh, a line one left winger, you know, notching 20 goals and 30 assists. I mean, that's. You know, this is why the development of these prospects is so important because three years from now, God bless us if we're still doing this every morning at seven in the morning, but three years from now, Jack Dugan, Ben Jones, Paul Cotter, Ron Beard, players like that, those are the players that have to be contributing at the NHL level for everything to be working. It's going to be very hard to continuously improve your team via free agency because when you sign these players, you're overpaying for them in the, in the, on the front side. You're giving them these long contracts to basically bring up, you know, how much overall they're making. I mean, is Patch Reddy going to be worth his $7 million contract? Even Mark Stone now, Pat Petrangelo, like, you know, and that's the penalty you pay for improving your team, the free agency route versus when someone develops. I mean, like, look at the, look at Alex Tuck at first, Alex Tuck, um, you know, on his rookie contract performing very well. And I think he signed for 4.5. Uh, which was, I thought, a very VGK-friendly deal, a player that we were developing internally in the system and then through VGK. And oddly enough, I just saw something come out. Alex Tuck, I think, had they, – they clock the players throughout the season, I think because they wear those things in their shoulders so they know how fast they're going and stuff. Alex Tuck, I think, had the ninth or 10th highest speed clocked somewhere in the season, hitting like over 22 miles an hour on the ice. So I thought that that's a pretty cool, cool thing to bring up right there. But – you know, point being, you got to develop these kids. You have to get them when they're on those rookie contracts. So you get the salary cap benefits and then, you know, you make the deal. But right before they blossom, like Alex Tuck, for example, you know, so sure. Could uh, Jack Dugan be on that route? Ben Jones, et cetera. You know, it's, it's not going to be Reed Duke. I think we know that much by now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a guy that's mired at the NHL level. And, you know, even with all those injuries, no call up for Jack Dugan last season has yet to play in the National Hockey League. He's a Providence College guy. I'm just, you know, I don't know how all roads led to Jack Dugan today, Chris, but a Providence <laughs> College guy who I'm very sure that Bruce Cassidy is aware of being there from the New England area mm, and like maybe it. perhaps like someone that he wants to develop in the future. Just saying. Coming hey, up I like next. It. I like it. Okay. That's our theory. Uh, coming up next, what Stanley Cup championship team Uh, In the past, from the past decade, 
is most likely compared to the VGK. Stay tuned more after this on Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes something that is unbelievable, the latest gift to our taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. But guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk and Puffs the next treatment. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, the flavor that you love, is now in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Stop drooling and listen. They are so good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and very much delicious. And they are the next level now. They go back, they reinvent these flavors, and they do such a tremendous time. And you could get coconut brownie chunk puffs for just a limited time. Go to built.com right now. Make sure that you don't miss out going very fast because they taste amazing. And all built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good, something that is very good for you, and something that you really do need to try. So definitely check out Built Bar and Coconut Brownie Chunk uh, Built Bar Built Puffs right now. Go to built.com and you can use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. You can go to LOCK15. Uh, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, I should say, and definitely enjoy everything from built.com. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Our podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And uh, Chris, you brought up a topic last night, so you can lead us into this topic. <laughs> yeah, so just something I've been thinking about is thinking about the current VGK roster, what the current VGK roster might become, and looking at recent Stanley Cup champions for about the last 10 years or so. Stanley Cup winners, they got a lot of commonalities as far as their rosters go. Um, they're either going to have like that generational talent or talents recently like Colorado with McCarr and McKinnon, um, or they have many players that are amongst, you know, the top 10, you know, top 12 or so. I'm thinking about like the Pittsburgh Penguins with Malkin and Crosby, or even going back to 2013, 2015, and even a 2010, the Chicago Blackhawks with um, uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and then, you know, defensemen like Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith at the top of uh, their personal uh, career as far as stuff like that goes. But just going back a little bit, Tampa 2020-21, we know they have world-class goaltending. We know they have Stamkos, Kucherov, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Going back uh, the Washington Capitals uh, with the Vetchkin leading the charge there, but you also have um, TJ Oshie and just so many other great talents around them. The Golden Knights don't necessarily have that pedigree with, I mean, they have Jack Eichel. We're going to see exactly how things shake out there, but they don't have all those big home run hitters as far as scoring goals, unless William Carlson, of course, comes back and gets 40 goals, which I don't think is going to happen. So the team I look really closely at and compared to our current BGK roster is actually the Alex Petrangelo led 2019 St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup champion winning Blues. And just looking at the regular season 
at their highest scorers. Ryan O'Reilly plays all 82 games, 77 points. After that is Tarasenko with 68 points. Then Braden Shen with uh, 54 points. No one else on that team had over 50 points outside of those three that I just mentioned. And that's kind of what I look at when I think about the Golden Knights. Uh, They had Jordan Biddington, who had a very nice run in the playoffs. Jordan Biddington is not a, I mean, he's a starting goalie, I guess now, but you know, just everything reminds me of Antti Niemi when the 2010 Blackhawks won the Stanley cup and he had about half a season in him. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Bennington shakes out a little bit better, but I really think that the golden Knights need to kind of emulate what the St. Louis blues did. And that's just that balanced attack. You have your couple of leaders, which in the golden Knights case will most likely be, well, definitely Jack Eichel. It has to be Jack Eichel. He has to kind of take on that, you know, Ryan O'Reilly slash Tarasenko hybrid role and maybe notch, you know, somewhere between 80 and 90 points. And then after that, um, you know, assuming Pacioretty, March or so, they're your scores that should hopefully get in that 60 to 70 range. And then outside of that, you know, maybe Chandler Stevenson can keep up the pace. William Carlson can figure it out. Riley Smith is obviously your your two-way player that's going to kill penalties and such, but also, you know, put up a lot of points, kind of like a Braden Shen. I know you're talking center to wing, but just that same type of um, uh, make and buildup, I guess you can say. Goaltending, you know, we can go back to that again. Uh, Robin Leonard, he definitely, uh, you can draw a comparison to Bennington, I guess, in the sense that he's not a, an A1 level type goalie, but the difference with Bennington uh, Bennington did carry the Blues through many of the games. And just looking back, the Blues played 26 of a possible 28 games in that playoff run. So you want to talk about a, an absolute grind right there. That is uh, friggin' remarkable that they were able to, uh, you know, two, that means uh, they went they went to game six most likely and two in the, the other two uh, series. We know the Stanley Cup win seven games. So that's, uh, that's a ton of games right there. But looking at uh, Bennington's playoff record, 16 and 10 with the 9-14 uh, save percentage 2.46 goals against and those are the type of numbers that Leonard really needs to hit you know once the Golden Knights do uh, qualify for the playoffs obviously if it's not uh, Leonard hopefully uh, Logan Thompson can keep up that pace but you know Leonard definitely needs to at times carry the Golden Knights through the playoffs because there's, there's going to be scoring droughts I don't care if your, your coach is Cassidy, DeBoer, Trotz, Gallant, it doesn't matter. There's going to be scoring droughts and your goalie has to steal a game unless obviously you're the Colorado Avalanche and you have Darcy Kemper who simply has to not lose games. And that's, I think, a big difference with um, a lot of teams when they have that real solid roster in front of them. You know, going back to Braden Holpe and the the Washington Capitals, Braden Holpe, his job was simply not to lose games, although you could argue he won game two against the Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup finals with that just disgusting uh, save on Alex Tuck that, oh, so much heartbreak. I still remember that like it was yesterday. Um, But yeah, so that's uh, just kind of my walk down uh, Stanley Cup memory lane and uh, what team VGK emulates the most. And hopefully uh, it'll all come together in season six. We'll see. Yeah. So the team that I think, you know, is comparable. So let's go back though, again, uh, with the previous Stanley cup champions, right. Mm-hmm. Too. Uh, so this past season, Colorado uh, preceded by a couple of Tampa Bay uh, championships, St. Louis, Washington. We remember that one. Well, and then there were two uh, Stanley cup championships in Pittsburgh, uh, Chicago, as you mentioned, LA and Chicago again, back in 2013, 2013. And, uh, 
the team that, you know, when you, when you threw this out to me yesterday, one of the teams that I thought sort of compared uh, to VGK and the roster that they have this season, um, 2016-17 Pittsburgh Penguins, perhaps, uh, because, and I started with the goaltending, right? And that was a season in which we saw uh, Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury platooning time. And they won, you know, the cup there with uh, Matt Murray with just 32 wins, 32 wins and 18 for Marc-Andre Fleury. And so they didn't have like, I mean, they platoon time. Like I think we're going to see a lot more of here in Las Vegas this upcoming season. So, so I started there and then uh, just uh, perusing a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the roster, um, Sidney Crosby, um, had a huge season, and perhaps this could be Jack Eichel's role. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, Evgeny Malkin, uh, Phil Kessel on that team, and you know down Chris Letang, who is probably about ninety by now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Jake Kunzel, Like I mean, they, you had a pretty good roster, but I just think there might be some similarities between mm-hmm. that Pittsburgh Penguins team, twenty sixteen seventeen, and the VGK. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I just pulled it up right now looking at, you know, Chris Letang, you know, Alex Petrangelo. You can draw that comparison. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm not going to – I mean, you can throw Crosby and Eichel in the conversation just simply both being the, the top-line centers after that. Um, having a one-two punch of Crosby and Malkin as far as the centers go, that's something that's um, where I think Pittsburgh obviously uh, – has over us not that Chandler Stevenson isn't going to have a great year but I'm not going to mention Stevenson and Malkin in the same sentence uh Phil Kessel Max Pacioretty I think is a nice comparison and then you just kind of go down uh the line and stuff like that even Jake Gensel I mean you know that's your line three center that's pretty solid right there then you got all the 40 year old Matt Collins he was even still kicking back then as well just kind of taking a walk down memory lane Eric Fuhr is a center also is that Grant Fuhr's kid possibly i don't know anyway that's right <laughs> um but yeah no i certainly see the parallels there as well um i just think the biggest difference from that roster to the vgk roster is you know that one two punch of you know generational i mean crosby is a generational talent and malkin is kind of flirting on that level i think uh kind of like dry and McDavid Malkin kind of gets, you know, in, in the shadow a little bit. And, and everyone knows Connor McDavid. Everyone knows Sidney Crosby. But then you look up the stats of Malkin and Drysdale, you're like, man, these guys are pretty good. So, yeah, I certainly see where you're going with that. And, you know, we're not going to have a Colorado roster. We can agree on that. We're not going to have a Tampa roster. We are not going to have an L.A. Kings roster that is led by a Jonathan Quick who can carry your team through an entire playoff run. I mean, Jonathan Quick is the type of goalie where if your team gets, you know, when he's on his game, obviously, of course, but if your team gets two or three goals a night, a lot of times Jonathan Quick is going to win that game for you. And that's the gap. That's something that VGK might be lacking right now. But I mean, Leonard did have a good run early on when we first signed him as far as the regular season and playoffs went. It's fallen off since, unfortunately, for him. Uh, I hope we can chalk that up to injuries. And uh, when he comes back in season six with that, uh, you know, crazy goaltending coaching situation that's brewing and everything right now. I hope it can all uh, come together and not boil over. Coming up next, the lack of a game seven hurting viewership for the Stanley Cup final ratings. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. 
Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. And Chris, according to Front Row Sports, the Avalanche and the Lightning, uh, the series, um, if they had a Game 7, they would have bolstered the ratings. Uh, good ratings despite the presence of Will McDonough. Uh, no, they had some pretty good. <laughs> they had, had to take a shot. They had some good ratings there. Uh, they averaged about 4.6 million up 84% from last year, Montreal and Tampa, which wasn't that exciting, uh, but down about 13% from the 5.3 million uh, viewers in the St. Louis-Boston series 2019. And Game 7 that season drew 9 million uh, viewers, according to Front Office Sports. So pretty interesting numbers here. But when I went through the, the ratings, man, the, you know, let's talk, we can talk a little bit about uh, why this was a good series or why it wasn't for viewers. And one of the areas of growth, holy smokes, females, uh, 18 to 49, a key demographic uh, was up 64% in viewership this year for the Stanley Cup. So more women are watching hockey, which is terrific. And then, you know, the ages two through 17, the teens, they were up. 90 percent i just wonder why there's an interest from young women now are more playing the sport are more grasping these handsome young men you know skating up and down the ice i'm just wondering why suddenly there is a boom with women and if you look at my twitter line 90 percent of my rangers hockey friends are all women they're all women (laughs) And they have the best tweets on the planet. So I absolutely love them. I adore them. But I'm just curious what your thoughts might be um, on the viewership from women. And now, again, this is a rising demographic for the National Hockey League. I just have to wonder, are they going to start to target more women now? Because that is something, an area that you really can develop. So uh, you triggered something in my memory here. And um I remember there was a recent article. Was I just that, found was that, that on, soccer um, with Kopitar? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, on angel.com, there was an article recently about the growth of uh, participation amongst females in hockey. And instead, I just found pre-Vegas Golden Knights um, to basically now hockey players. Well, I said hockey players in general rose 327%, which is good. Um, but I thought I remember seeing a stat, and I can't remember where I saw this, but I thought there was only like 80 or so female registered hockey players in Nevada or Southern Nevada at the time, and now it's over 500. I'm trying to find that in this article. I remember seeing that somewhere. I can't remember if this article, if this is the article or not, but just from my level, what I can tell you, I, I've, I've officiated hockey all my life in line, just recently went, went over to ice and we're seeing a lot of women's tournaments. We are seeing a lot of women uh, players in beer league and stuff like that now. And just all throughout the rinks and things like that, working there, playing there, working amongst the teams and stuff. And it's certainly you know, the more people that are supporting the sport, uh, the better as far as the, the increase in teens and things like that. You know, hockey, it's it's an, it's a wonderful sports. And the we, we highlighted this, how, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are helping grow hockey locally. I mean, my kid got in the learn to play program and all the equipment was completely free in that program. It cost like right around 250 bucks or something like that. And he got outfitted in equipment head to toe 
that we get to keep. Uh, what what funds all of that? A lot of it is the Vegas 50-50 or excuse me, 51-49 raffles at T-Mobile Arena. So, you know, you're definitely growing it at the grassroots level and it's paying off uh, dividends, you know, as the sport uh, continues to grow. And, you know, uh, going on the other side of that, though, something that will hinder its growth is the price, though. Like once they, they start transitioning to house league and stuff like that, you're talking six, seven, eight hundred bucks a season for basically three months of hockey. Now you're getting very good quality coaching and stuff like that. You know, but it's um it's a lot less money to join a bowling league. You know, golf clubs, you can argue, you know, are a one time every two or three years expense. So that's a little bit less. So, you know, hopefully they can find a way to cut the cost down a little bit so the sport can continue to grow. I get ice time is expensive here in Vegas. It's a lot more expensive to keep the rink cool when it's 110 degrees outside, which also means the ice is going to be, you know, a little bit softer at times, but um, yeah, the sport's growing. It's, it's wonderful to see. Um, it would have been nice to see the ratings go back to the pre pandemic levels, but you've had a network change since then. And, you know, ESPN, ABC has had some criticism, over the way they've presented their games. I thought they did a wonderful job. I like the camera angles. I like ah, all the announcers. That end zone and... shot. You like that end zone shot. I love the end zone I, I, shot. That stinks, man. That was no good for me. <laughs> I, but they, then... they usually do the end zone shot either when a team is attacking for a long period of time I know, or like that. during I know. the power play. And this isn't the first time it's been done. The end zone shot's been around for a while, but I definitely will agree that it's been used a lot more this season, no doubts. I think, you know, again, the National Hockey League, they're aware of these uh, these numbers, and now they need to get out in communities and help to build, you know, women's hockey programs and whatever, because that could be a goldmine uh, there. The uh, the youngsters, very influential, uh, and have buying power, and then the 18 to 49 demo, demographic is where they, they make all of their money anyway. And, uh, you know, I just feel that people this year, uh, tuned in because I thought it was a really um, exciting, you know, uh, final there between the Avs and the Lightning. Um, a lot on the line. Lightning going for a three-peat. Avalanche with that scoring punch, very dynamic, uh, with a, an unbelievable run heading into it. Um, in 2016, the Pens and the Sharks, they averaged uh, 3.95 million, and they had uh, – 5.8 million watching game six. That was the most watched in that overall 18 to 49 year old uh, demographic as well. I, I just find it interesting. And hockey still is number four when it comes to viewership and spending dollars, I think. And I think that they need to try to rise this up to the next level, get it, uh, get it going in a, in a better direction. And I think there's a lot of growth opportunities there. And, Hey, they can't they can't complain now about a TV contract because the NHL is on TV every night in season, right? On ESPN Plus and one of the sister stations, TNT. I thought they did a much better job this past season uh, than ESPN and Sands. Of course, the stupid end zone shot with the camera. <laughs> one thing that will always hinder hockey <clears throat> is. You know, basketball. You pick up a basketball, you start shooting. Baseball. You got a ball and a bat, and you go. 
Um, soccer, you got a soccer ball, you kick and you shoot and you score, you know, and, and even football, grab a ball and play two hand touch and off you go. Hockey is a little bit different. Um, you know, getting the number of kids together or people together to play, you need the nets and everything. You need a little more equipment, or if you want to really try it at the ice level, you know, that's, it's very hard to do. So I think that's always going to hinder the growth of the game in some fashion, but you know, VGK locally is going to be building a facility that's going to be um, for floor hockey. It's not formally announced as to where, but they had that announcement during the All-Star Weekend here in Vegas. They actually had um, a little street hockey rink set up right in front of Lifeguard where I actually happened to be refing when they were doing all of that. So, you know, if more cities, more hockey teams are doing stuff like that, that's again, that's the grassroots level. Just, you know, put a stick in their hands, get them going. And then the interest comes from there, either just to watch the game or to continue to pursue the game, you know, as an ice hockey player. For the youngins, uh, I think one of the best ways to start, yes, you could play street hockey. And then uh, one of my friends, um, her son, he started skating, uh, inline skates, and it really translated well when he finally Mm -hmm. went on the ice, right? That's a pretty good gradual Mm. uh, progression, do you think? (laughs) No, um, well, he just, the, the, the he difference. Picked up, he picked it up pretty fast it, as soon as he no, got and, on the and ice that's definitely a good time. thing. It, it's an it's an important. I see time's getting quick here, but it's an important transition to make. But all I'm simply saying is, an ice hockey player can go to inline a little bit easier. But when the first thing you do on inline skates, like your your wheels grip the surface, your wheels are soft, so it's like a car tire. You get that grip, and then all of a sudden you go to these one inch wide razor blades that, and don't then you go, grip. and then you get landiscoved. There you go, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, man, I had to throw that. No, you're good. That's good. That's a it's a good way to put it. But yeah, it's it's different. It's a big difference. Um, but listen, once you start skating, hopefully you just love it and you never never ever want to stop. It is a little bit easier for an, to go ice to inline than inline to ice, as I definitely learned this past year. Right about now is when I started my skating lessons, actually, one year ago. There's going to be a lot of folks who are mile high today, avalanche parade, and uh, maybe something will come out of that. Oh, I was looking at the date. I thought it was a different date, but okay. Yeah, no, it's not 420. Come on, man. Uh, for my <laughs> man, for my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Kardaska. We thank you all for tuning in. Back again tomorrow, heading into this big holiday weekend, and we'll talk to you once again then. Thanks for making us... Uh, your number one listen each and every day. You could find Locked On VGK wherever you get your podcasts. And again, we thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you back here tomorrow once again. Take care.